Welcome to another episode of the Extended Poetically Yours podcast. I'm Yvonne Booz. This month's featured writer is Paula Coulihan. Paula is a Rockford Public Schools language arts teacher and a graduate of Northern Illinois University. During this conversation, we talk about her early writing years and how things have evolved. Take a listen. All right, Paula, thank you so much for taking part in the Extended Portably Yours podcast. So um, I want to first start off by talking about your journey as a writer. Most poets I've talked to started writing at a really young age. Was that the case for you? Yes. In first grade, uh, one of my teachers thought that I had a special affinity for writing. And so we made little books and she used mine as an example and brought my mom in and showed it to her. So it did start very early. And then my parents put me in a summer writing program at Rockford what now is Rockford University, but used to be Rockford College back then. And I was in a week or two week long uh, writing seminar for kids back then when I was in grade school. And what did that do for you? It really opened up creativity for me because the people who taught it were really good at eliciting the most creative parts of children's minds. And gave us a lot of prompts that really were fun to write to. And I think that's where my love of writing probably started. And at that time, what type of writing were you doing the most? As a kid, um, probably short stories, very short stories with illustrations. When did the poetry start? Actually, I really started writing the poetry more as an adult, uh, probably even after my kids were born, 40s maybe. Wow, that's that's interesting. I never heard that before. What prompted that? Like you, you were writing creatively, but not poetry, but then in your 40s, starting to write a poem. What was that first poem? What triggered it? Christmas Comes and Goes was that poem. And I think it was just enjoying all the things about that holiday because we celebrate that holiday here in our house and just enjoying all the things that I remembered about it as a kid and the things I enjoyed with our own children. And then from there, what, when did you, or why did you continue to to write poetry? Well, the next one I actually wrote was the one called Neil about Colin Kaepernick. And that one just kind of came to me, honestly, as I was out of school because of the pandemic and teaching online. And I went back to school in May when they allowed us to come back and get our stuff. We had been online since March when the pandemic first hit. And I could just picture all the kids on the corners waiting for the buses and the things that I would usually see that weren't there. And so I wrote a poem about that. Okay, let's take a moment and um, let's let's hear that poem. I know that you shared it with Poetically Yours a while ago, and it's still on our website for people to listen, but why not go ahead and recite that here? Okay, thank you. Neil, what I see on the drive to school is kids waiting for the bus with their beautiful dark locks picked up high against hatred. 
kids who match their tights to their skirts and kids who clash because they can and because it just feels right. What I see on the drive to school is parents holding small hands clasped in theirs as they walk along in the silver sun or rain. Kids poised on their toes like dancers to run across the street. Grandmas hovering because they can and because it just feels right. What I see at the start of the day is kids saying the pledge. Pretty <laughs> emotional, huh? I cried when I read it at the poetry slam the other night too. What I see at the start of the day is kids saying the pledge with their hands over their hearts, so much they don't know about the world yet. Kids of all shades with big hearts, big eyes and big dreams. I want to kneel like Kaepernick because they have faith and because it just feels right. All right. So of course I'm going to ask and when I edit it, I'll edit the stop. So I want to, and you tell me if you're okay with including this, I want to talk about the emotion behind writing that poem. And I can see it in your, in your face now. Why does that poem bring out so much emotion for you when you read it? Um, yeah, I think because as a child, my parents were, they were super devout Methodists and they were kind to everyone and they loved everyone. And even though like my mom was raised in the Salvation Army Church, which was very strict and then joined the Methodist Church where she met my father. And that's where I was raised was at Centennial United Methodist. Um, and the, the Methodist Church has a motto, open hearts, open minds, open doors. And we're struggling with some things with that right now. I won't go into all that right now, but there are some struggles with that motto right now with some things that are happening in the world. But for the most part, my parents lived that statement um, as much as I can possibly imagine that people could live that statement. And they were interested in everyone and, and everyone in the neighborhood, everyone at all the different churches. My example is um, a church opened that was, um, you know, not our denomination. And um, it, it may have been, um, when I was maybe a teenager, so I remember this, and it was in our neighborhood, and my dad said, you know, we're going to go to that open house when that church opens, and we're going to greet all those people and find out who they are and and get to know the neighbors that are going there, too, and that's just one example of how my parents were. They just really loved and were interested in everyone, and so for me, growing up during the civil rights movement, because I was born in 1964, which is the year the Civil Rights Act was signed into law. And as we know, you know, we always have farther to go with those um, advancements in, in the way that we care about everyone. Um, but a lot of history has happened since that time. And I've always been super interested in history and politics and civil rights movement. And uh, I worked for a couple candidates uh, out of college. I worked for a couple political candidates who were 
you're very focused on um, issues that affect everyone, like education and um, you know equity in work and pay and things like that. And those are all the issues that are going to affect my students as they grow up. And then I think no matter what our political backgrounds are, we can probably all agree that the last few years have been tumultuous and there's a lot of hate. And I just don't like to see that because this country is better than that. And so all of that was somewhere in my mind and, and somehow came out in that poem, I feel. And I feel like being a teacher is, is a mission more than a job. And the mission is to create equality for children and to give them all the same opportunities. Oh, wow. And you said um, your mom was went to the Salvation Army Church. I never heard of um, or talked to anyone who attended that church. Share a little bit about, because you said it's strict. How, how was, how so? She, she went there with her grandmother, who was a Swedish immigrant. And the, it was just very much expected that people would, uh, would be, would not, you know, drink or socialize too much or things like that. It was, it was very strict. And she, in fact, I, she passed away a few years ago, but I, I was talking with a friend of hers who's still living, who, who's in her nineties. And she told me a story very recently that I didn't know. And she's just, is a wonderful lady. And she said, you know, your mother's grandma didn't like me very much. And I laughed because I said, who doesn't like you? I don't know anyone that doesn't like you. She said, well, I took your mother to see movies and to go to dances. And that was not okay by the Salvation Army Church at that time. And I don't know how it is now, but, you know, at, at that time, that was just looked down upon. And so we laughed about that because uh, because it seems, you know, nowadays to us pretty extreme that, that she wouldn't be able to do those things as a young person. But that was that was just an example of the teachings at that time. But they did a lot of good for the community and um, helped people in tough times in the depression. All right. Wow. So how many poems have you written, especially with your saying you just started writing your poetry in, in your 40s? How, <laughs> how many have you have you written so far? So I probably technically have five because I have one called Frankie the Jazz Cat, which is about my youngest son's cat. Uh, our youngest son is a jazz guitarist and he has a cat named Frankie. And I wrote what's technically a children's book about Frankie and jazz music and our youngest son. I just need an illustrator. <laughs> so I have that one. And I also wrote a song called Natalia about a woman from Ukraine who I saw interviewed on the news and a song called Water about the water crisis in Flint, Michigan. Mm. Now, when you say song, are you actually just writing the lyrics or have you put music to these? I wrote the lyrics and my husband put music to them. Oh, what a lovely com combination. <laughs> we He plays and I sing and 
he has played bass since he was 14. Both of our kids play guitar. It's a musical family. Oh, and what's your, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, what's your husband's name? Mike. Oh, okay. Yes. And he has about six different musical acts going right now. Oh, wow. Any, <laughs> any that um, our listeners in the Rockford area should know about? Um, Monarch is one of the really cool ones that they do all original songs that are almost all original songs when they play out. And then um, Attitudes, which has been around for a long time and just now has kind of gotten back together. He's got several others. Um, Serious Moonlight is another one. And so, so I have an outlet for my lyrics because he can write music. So he did write music for those two songs. Oh, wow. That is lovely. Now you were talking about your son's cat. I know that you have your dog there. I've, I heard him bark just a little bit. He's been very yeah. good. What's, what's the dog's <laughs> name? Can I see the dog or is he a big Even dog? She will let me pick her up. Oh, okay. <laughs> her name is Violet. Oh, that was my grandmother's name. Really? Yeah. My oh. father's mother. Yeah. Well, she just took off for the kitchen. <laughs> oh, she doesn't want to be seen. That's okay. All right. So, wow. Five poems, but you know, the songs and tell me about the children book that you, you are thinking about writing. Have you published anything thus far? I haven't. I actually sent the words for the Frankie, the jazz cat one into a woman who looks at children's books for publication, but I haven't heard anything back from her. So in my retirement, which I'm retiring from teaching in June. So in my retirement, my goal is to find out more about how, how to get published because it is a process that is challenging. <laughs> and thanks to you, my poems are out there and you're the only one who's, who's, publish them and put them out there for people to hear. So I appreciate that. Now let's talk about um, some other things that you're involved in. I, I see that you do some blogging. Um, you did a special um, article for Rockford Register Star. Tell me about those things. So again, the, the Rockford Register Star has been a great outlet for opinion pieces that I write. I've written many opinion pieces over the years and Karina Curry who is the current editor is very kind to always publish what I send her. Tell me about your most recent piece. So the most recent piece was about gun violence and it was I'm trying to remember the title now um <laughs> anyway it was um called I think um, I have it up dialogue yes about dialogue um having dialogue about gun violence and so let's see I have one up and it says the title says your turn gun violence in America a bottomless pit pit of grief that was the one right before that okay and okay I have that one here that got a lot of attention and some of it was kind of scary attention <laughs> and, well you start so, off Go ahead. <laughs> I know, right? I was right, gonna say, the opening line is yeah. Right? I was so, thinking you start off by saying America is knee deep in blood of the innocent. My right. God, that is a powerful line. Well, I've been writing these ever since Columbine. When Columbine happened in ninety one, um, 
well, actually, that was 99, I think. It was 99. Um, I wrote one right then. And ever since then, that's been my topic. But it goes even farther back into when I was in high school. Um, and Morton Grove put a moratorium on guns in, in their area. They were able to actually pass uh passed something that said you couldn't own a gun in Morton Grove. So that was back then. Um, and looking at that now, it probably looks pretty extreme to most people. We have a lot of people who are defending their Second Amendment rights. And, you know, it is it is in the Constitution. We have the right to bear arms. I think it gets carried a little too far sometimes and in with any subject there's an extreme side you know it can go there's a middle and there are two extremes <laughs> and my my big issue is you know the assault rifles i feel like no civilian needs an assault rifle and we've had so many school shootings and it's in mall shootings and restaurant shootings and you name it. It's a plague on America that is not present in that number of incidents in any other country. And so I got some real attention on that first one that you read the opening line of and um, actually uh, some attention I didn't want. But really when it comes right down to it, it's just... I think we all have different experiences with gun violence. So that's what my next one was called. I was called uh, Dialogue Can Be a Vehicle for Change when it comes to gun violence. Because in Rockford, they started to have some forums about that at Second First Church. And I went to one. It's been over a year ago now that they had the first one. And the mayor was there and the chief of police and just a lot of people. Um, Maurice West was there. Um, everyone was answering questions, asking questions, talking about their concerns. It was very well attended. And it was after Uvalde. And I think that people just have had enough, you know? And so th there were both sides of the questioning going on there about, you know, the Second Amendment rights and then the the idea that we need to do something about controlling the assault rifles. So it was super interesting. A lot of really good things came out of it. We, I think the most interesting thing is that um, there's a woman who works for the city of Rockford, um, Ms. Kachpalia, and she is really invested in what are the root causes of gun violence. Like when we're talking about gun violence, um, we have two different issues. We have the assault rifles, and then we have the everyday handgun violence, which is present in most of our cities. And she's trying to get to the root causes, uh, help children to have places to go, mentors, things to do, some hope in life uh, for, you know, having some aspirations that they can reach and having adult mentors in the community and having um, support with education and job training and college entrance and things like that. All right. So you, you're saying that you are retiring June, right? Yes, that is correct. Um, what was your main, out of all the years of teaching, what was the subject that you taught the most? Reading. 
and writing too. How did it feel as a teacher to um, see what your students were producing from a creative side? Oh, okay. It was, it's always great to see what kids can produce and when they're really enjoying what they're doing and writing and thinking and thinking about their own lives. And so the, one of my favorite things to have kids do is write about what they call small moments. And that comes from uh, Lucy Calkins writing series that we used to use in Rockford Public. And it's probably the best thing out of that series because you tell the kids, you know, think about a small moment in your life because your life is made up of small moments. So maybe it's when you baked cookies with your grandma or maybe it's when you got a new puppy or you went to your favorite place with your family and you'd be surprised what they come up with and they write all kinds of beautiful things about their lives and usually i it's really cool to see them build into write becoming writers because at the beginning of the year i would start with just like a thinking map what we call a thinking map where you write down your idea and then you brainstorm all the things that go with that idea what could you write about and then after they start to build some skill in in brainstorming, you show them how to put that into a complete sentence and then a paragraph and then a couple of paragraphs. And by the, by probably a little after Christmas, winter break, like after the winter break time, I would ask them to start uh, doing um, some other nonfiction writing and teach them to paraphrase because they let, they sit down and they want to copy what they see so it's always good to see them grow into putting it into their own words. I think that's a really cool turning point in writing with kids because as they go on to middle school and high school, they have to they have to do that. They have to put it in their own words and cite sources. So I start that in about fourth and fifth grade with them. And they really follow along with that. They understand that why we do that and they do a great job of it. I want to take a moment and just have you recite another poem. Okay, <laughs> I can do that. I wish I had Frankie the Jazz Cat here. Oh, that would be lovely. I love that name, though. I, you, you know, see if, you want me to see if I can pull it up? Sure. You know, when you say Frankie the Jazz Cat, I see a cat with a top hat on. He does have a top <laughs> and hat <laughs> and a good tar. It's like it's I have all a picture coming of him in his top hat. I wish I could call that up. Oh and then man! The window. I hope I don't lose you. And I'm gonna look see it's if I okay. Can grab it from my Google Docs. Okay, that would be lovely. That sounds like that'll be a lovely children's book. So are you thinking about doing like a book where it's a poem, the whole book is a poem and you just have a few verses on each page with the pictures? Um, yes, that is what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I have a poem like that, that I want to turn into a children's book and I've been oh. sitting on it for a few years. I need nice. to get that done. So I have a poem. I wrote a poem, another poem. Uh, I don't even, I don't even know where it's at. It was about a tree and every, like we went on this like writing type of um, retreat and I oh. sat under the tree and wrote the poem about a tree, but um, someone was like, that's a children's book. And I have no clue where that book, where that poem is at, but oh. yeah. So that would be another option for me, but yeah, I can't wait to see what you do. 
Thank you. That'll be exciting. <laughs> I do have it here. It should be printing at this very oh, second. That's, that's cool. <laughs> so while, while you're looking at that, just tell me, um, how has it felt just to hear your voice on the radio when we do um, sh share some of your poems on Poetically Yours? It's pretty exciting because, like I said, I've never had an outlet for my poetry, and you gave me that. So it's really neat to be able to hear that. Oh, and good. And friends and family that it's there to look at. And let me see. I, I wonder if I can just read this to you from the document. You should be able to. That's the great thing about technology. You don't really have to print it out. I know um, I like sometimes to have things in my hand. At first, like even with my stories, I was printing them and I would print them out and, um, and you know, voice them. But then after a while, I was like, I am wasting a lot of paper. Yes, that's true. And trees. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know you can't see me, but I can read it to you. Okay. It's called Frankie the Jazz Cat. Frankie is a jazz cat a razzmatazz jazz cat. He goes hop, hop, twist, hop, 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 bebop. Frankie lives with Miles. Miles plays jazz guitar. His music sounds like mm, melted butter on a hot stack of pancakes. Miles rescued Frankie. Frankie has velvet paws, no claws. He goes tiptoe, twist, hop, tiptoe, bebop. Miles goes to Philly Music School. He's tall and smart and really cool. His music makes the jazz cats drool. Frankie waits for Miles all day. He gets his toy mouse out to play. He dances when he hears the door and Miles' footsteps on the floor. He goes hop, hop, twist, hop, 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 bebop. Frankie loves when Miles brings his jazz cat friends with saxophones and bass string bends. Their music sounds like soft, cool rain on the hot Philly sidewalk. Sometimes Miles gets a record out and reaches back and reaches out for Train or Rollins, Monk or Davis to feel everything they gave us. Frankie likes the wild blue notes that sail by like silky boats. He goes hop, hop, twist, hop, 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 bebop. When Miles' friends go to the door, Frankie wants to hear some more. He switches his tail to say goodbye. They pat his head until next time. Frankie cries, meows, and howls and sighs. He looks at Miles with big green eyes. Miles gets his jazz guitar and says, come on, Frank, it's time for bed. Frankie goes pitter-patter, hop-hop, pitter-patter, bebop. He follows Miles to his room and waits for him to choose a tune. The record's soft and crackly sound begins as Frankie nestles down. He goes hop, hop, nestle, hop, 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 bebop, purr. Oh, that has a lovely jazz feel. Tell me about those sound effects you were throwing in there. Uh, well, uh, we've learned to love jazz music here. And so I think that just came through kind of naturally. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have... Um, we have one son who plays a lot of jazz and one who um, plays, a little, and he has a lot of originals of his own, but our older son also is a very accomplished guitarist and musician. But uh, but we really learned to love jazz with our youngest because he learned at Rock Valley College. He learned with a really great guitar teacher here in Rockford named Greg Whitson. And both of our kids took lessons from him at 
Gazzardo Music, and they just took off as young kids. And so we've learned to love all different forms of music that they play. And the jazz just happens to be our youngest son's, really his groove. <laughs> now, what does he think about that poem? He liked it. <laughs> he didn't like it. Well, there's Violet. She's come. Is it a she, the dog? She, yeah. Oh, she's Violet. coming back around. <laughs> Maybe you can, you can get, get, I can get a glimpse of her before the interview is over. So Maybe. tell me about the group that you're in and I don't want to mess up. Is it moms? Oh, moms demand action. What is it again? Moms demand action. Tell me about that and how you got um, started in that group. So I got started in that group. I actually joined the national chapter um, when there was um, a mass shooting in Florida. And I just hopped online and joined that group because it, you know, it had been an issue that was always super important to me. And then a local chapter started with some moms out of Belvedere who were quite a bit younger moms that had kids in school still and grade school. And that used to meet at um, Just Goods down at 7th Street when that um, Stan Campbell had Rockford Urban Ministries um, meetings there and he allowed us to meet there. And there were a couple or three meetings. And then there was actually one where a woman who, who had a son um, from the Chicago area who was killed in the Arlington, Colorado theater shooting um, came and spoke and it was super moving and interesting. But when the pandemic hit, that whole group kind of got kind of dissolved a little bit, I think. I haven't heard too much from them. I don't want to say they're not still active in Rockford because I think they might be. I actually saw a few people with the shirts on at that um, gun violence forum at Second First Church. But the national organization um, that Shannon Watts started is still super strong, and they, um, they're they always looking for people to volunteer in the community to talk about how we can uh, control or end gun violence. Thank you for explaining that. And then um, you, when you recite your poetry or, you know, you are so articulate and it just sounds so like you, you said something about, um, I don't know if you said, mm, and you had that in there, but your poetry delivery is very smooth. Is that something that you look um, to doing in the future? Or is that, is that something that you're currently doing as far as um, spoken word? I wasn't until... Uh, well, I read the poems for you, for your um, Poetically Yours piece on WNIJ. And then also recently, a friend of mine who I think you also interviewed for a, for a podcast um, invited me to come to a poetry reading at what used to be New American Theater downtown. And they do that one Tuesday a month. And so last month was the first time I actually went and read a poem to other people who are poets we everybody you know comes in and and puts their name on a list and they call you up to read your poem and i read neil and there were a lot of young poets there who just did a super job but it was it was interesting for me because i'm not used to being on a stage quite like that and reading that <laughs> out loud to other people so again, with, you know, retiring and thinking about all that, and then 
the emotional nature of that poem it was it was a pretty emotional experience to read it to other people <laughs> is that something you think you want to do in the future and if so why I think so I I think it's nice to be able to share what we write and to hear what other people are writing as well and and share it as a community and and you know just to share out what we're thinking about because there's so much to share and there's so much going on and it's kind of a constructive and artistic way of articulating those really deep feelings we have about subjects. Now um, is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners about your your journey as a writer writing poetry any nuggets that you would like to give them? I would just say that for kids and families it's important to encourage kids to write and as a teacher I send home a take-home journal several times a year the kids write in them and they come back to me and ask for another one and I had a mom come up to me at parent-teacher conferences and say you know thank you for sending that journal home she writes and I just let her sit and write whatever she wants and draw her pictures and write the words to go with them and we've really enjoyed that. And so that made me happy because that's what I like to see kids doing. And they're expressing themselves. You know, kids have been through a lot with the pandemic and lots of other things going on in the world. And it's a really great outlet for them to either write something that helps them overcome that or to, you know, to help them overcome traumas or just for something fun or those small moments that I talked about that are so important. Oh, wow. Now you, you said your, your two sons are musicians. Do um, either of them write? They write music. Yes. And lyrics. Oh, that's pretty cool. So across the board, you guys are writing and, and making music. Yes, that, they do. Go ahead. They write other things too. They write other things like articles and things too so yeah so we're we're a family of writers and musicians and artists <laughs> now you mentioned that you said um someone else I had on the podcast invited you out to do that um that recital for your poem Neil who was that um that was Lori Beach Grass oh Lori I met her you're right I did awesome. um mm-hmm. she's she a lovely she person teacher. Yes, she was a teacher in Rockford Public, too. And she has that poetry group for some of her former students. Yeah, I actually went and, and sat down with them. I want to say it was May that yes, we sat I down. Read your, I read your uh, writing on that. It was really great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was fun just to hear those young people mm-hmm. say such powerful words. And just you could just feel the emotion of all the things that they're going through as teenagers, they, they yes. put it right there. It's, it's right there. And I always admire that because when I was a teenager as a writer, I wouldn't write about certain things. I would think, well, what if somebody feels this way if they hear it? Or now, so as I'm older, I write, you know, whatever's in me that needs to come out. But I, I didn't, you know, my poetry was guarded back then. And then to see them be so bold with their writing is, yeah. is such lovely. They, those that group is um is is wonderful. So yes, it was a pleasure to, just to just to see that. 
Well, I want to take the time to say thank you for coming on, coming on and um, to talk about your journey as a writer. And um, if you have any more poems that you would like to share, please send them my way. And I hope when you retire that you really get your books done and that you continue to write and share with the world. Thank you, Yvonne. I appreciate you interviewing me. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Extended Podcast. Listen to Poetically Yours every Friday on 89.5 WNIJ and on 90.5 WNIU. Listen anytime online at WNIJ.org. Special thanks to the Nick Monte Trio Band for providing the music for this special. For Poetically Yours, I'm Yvonne Booth.